0: The following talk was recorded at LibrePlanet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. LibrePlanet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. LibrePlanet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org slash join, or making a donation at my.fsf.org slash donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, the free software supporter, at fsf.org slash fss. And for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit LibrePlanet.org slash conference.
1: Okay, we're gonna go ahead and get... All right, right on. Well, Zoe gave me the green light so I can start welcome everyone thank you Libre planet staff especially volunteers everyone i'm really excited about this conference because i think free software is something of a human right Uh, i guess i've devoted quite a bit of time and energy
2: to uh,
1: thinking about it and and supporting it and um I've been in the tech space for about 20 years, started some companies, um built some teams, done done pretty well with several products and I've uh, been very very lucky and fortunate coming from a position of uh uh power and wealth and privilege and trying to trying to turn that around uh and and uh promote a fair and kind world. So, I see that LibrePlanet Planet is doing a lot of that. Um reaching out, and I'm a, I'm a supporter. I've been a supporter of the Free Software Foundation for maybe a decade or so now, and I'm really excited to be here. So what I'd like to do is um, go around really quick. Uh, this is a highly interactive workshop, and uh, I would like to share. Let me just test sharing my screen green. Okay. I can't remember the decision, but I can do it over and over. Okay. Good. So let me know. Uh, maybe give me thumbs up. Maybe we can do some visual cues since I can do that without everybody unmuting and meeting again. So like, just give me a thumbs up when you're seeing, once you're seeing my screen. Oh, There we go. Okay, so I'm looking for thumbs ups, and it's going to be, you can just ignore, there we go, I see thumbs ups. Okay. So, and readable? Big enough text? Okay, great. So, yeah, I just want to go around the room, and then as much or as little as you're you're willing to share, I think this one is particularly important for me to be able to customize the talk to you, and that's, for your SysAdmin DevOps knowledge, um, have you do you know terms like DNS, proxy, um, microservice, whatever? Have you heard these things, or you're familiar with them? Then you know, give me, give me a, a quick uh, scale reading of how familiar you are with those terms and how much you've done. So just for system and DevOps, are you beginning intermediate, advanced? So let's go around the room. Um, why don't I call out somebody? I'll just go down the list, and then you could say pass. That's fine too. Um, but let's. Let's see how this goes. So, Zoe, did you want to say anything, or the or are we good? At, can I just keep going?
0: You can just I'll- keep going. I think most <laughs> of the people that registered are uh, are inside the workshop now. I uh, might tune out at some point. So the register yep. you're you're due to end at uh, two twenty five, but you're fine to go on for as long as needed after that. Like, if you have some delay, that's fine. Just okay. so you know. I'll pop Sh- in every once in a while to see how it's going.
1: Okay, that sounds fine. Shun Jin, are you going to be with me the whole workshop? Yes, I will okay. be with you all the time. Okay, thank you. And if you. there's
0: anything, uh, Adam, if you have anything or if there's any issue or whatever, you can just ping me on IRC as well and I'll, like, be right with you.
1: Okay, I might send an MSR to do that too. That's okay.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Zoe. Um, Yeah, if if you guys don't know Zoe, um, it's the reason this thing is awesome. I like saying it, and um, I've gotten all kinds of help. Thank you so much, Zoe. Okay, so um, I was going to say that. Oh, yeah, Shenzhen, if you could give me, um, keep me appraised of the time, uh, um, yeah, help people with tech, and if I lose track of the chat, Okay, bye, Joe. I see your comments there. That's helpful as well. Um, so let's just go down the list, and then let's try doing these few things here: your name, where you are in the world, um, and what brings you here, and then how your kind of level of system and DevOps knowledge so far. So, I first one I see on the list is Brian. Do you is your well? I don't see a little. Check mark by your audio, so I'm not sure if you're able to speak. Brian, are you with us? Okay, we'll come back to Brian. How about Baijo? Would you mind doing a quick intro?
3: Um, hi, yeah. So my actual name is Joe. Baijo is just the screen name I'm using. Um,
1: yeah, I've um haven't really done much with um hosting stuff i like I uh, have a personal um Jitsi server but that's it um
4: but yeah i i I'd like to run this stuff yeah
1: awesome so you've done some hosting and are you comfortable sharing like where in the world you are uh, I'm in uh, california u s a awesome okay um I see Brian typing. Do you wanna try and type your your info, Brian? <laughs> okay, we're gonna, we'll try again, come back to Brian. Um, how about Dan? Okay, Dan's in Vancouver, here to be more digitally independent, awesome. Already running Nextcloud and Tiny Tiny RSS. That's a feed reader that I've used before. It's it's uh, it's okay. Knowledge is <laughs> in Awesome. Okay. Okay. No problem, Brian. No no audio or screen images arriving. Okay. So Brian sounds like Brian's having some tech issues. Maybe Shenzhen. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. And then I'm going on to. Oh boy, I don't know how to pronounce that, I-G-L-P-D-C. Can you talk? Or type? Oh. Okay, I-G-L-P-D-C is the little, <laughs> i think, thinking when I see a white circle next to their um, initials, that maybe the audio isn't isn't quite working yet. Okay, we're going to have to come back to ideal PDC too. So yeah, I think this for folks that actually aren't connecting, that's probably going to be an issue since it's is pretty highly interactive. Um, so that's why I'm really glad Shenzhen is here <laughs> to help with the, the tech. Okay, so let's go on to Leyline,
5: please. Hi there. Hi. Can you hear me? Do you guys copy? Get it loud and clear, I read you five by okay. five. Great, great, good. Uh, Here in Wilmington, North Carolina, USA, um, semi-retired. I've kind of slipped away. I have run websites and servers and networks in the past, but, you know, this is 15 years ago. So the latest and greatest has all changed. So it's kind of fun to take a look, see and see what's going on here. And I may be expanding my home network a little bit, so I may pick up some hints about what I want to do. I've got a Raspberry Pi li- lying around, so I should probably put pie Hole on it to catch some nasties and uh, you know, see what else is there. My wife would love to be able to sync um, files between computers when she's on the road a little more easily, so maybe set- setting up something like that would be fine. Mostly I just uh, rent hosted mail and hosted uh, web service for anything else I've needed. So this would be a little different for me to spin it up on my own. I'd say I'm a beginner in in today's tech.
1: Have you heard of DevOps? Yeah, yeah,
5: it's uh, yeah. what we used to call uh, administration, I, I guess, yep. you know, or, or operations, but it's uh, uh, with a little bit of hacking and customization involved, you know, it's actually building out these systems and getting them to run, and with so many cloud services, yeah, we have a name like Dev now, because there's anybody confident in the field has to do a lot of scripting.
1: Yeah, for sure, and that's, that. What I, I'd really characterize that as a revolution from sysadmin to DevOps, is that, the revolution is characterized by configuration as code, um, which maybe some of you have heard of, where you're declaring what you want to see, and then you you run something to orchestrate those changes. So instead of walking over to your IT person, right, to to get a new thing on the rack and and plug it into the fiber channel, and I mean, like a lot of that is is automated. Data centers are automated today, and that's. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in, Rob, but I'm going to come back to you for your intro, but what's new about the DevOps revolution, um, what's what what's characterizes sysadmin to DevOps today to me is like, <clears throat> you <clears throat> you declare how it works in files and then something else makes it happen for you. Okay, I'll come back to Rob. Rob is my co-host, by the way, and we'll, we'll get to him. Okay. Okay. Um, MS Chile, intro please.
2: Yes, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Great. I just so on one, I'm in here twice because I have one browser that has uh, no microphone and one that has no video. So, mm-hmm. but it works. <laughs> I can see you. You can hear me. Great. Um, I'm uh, located in Germany, mm-hmm. so a few hours uh, ahead. Still getting dark here, and. Um, I'm uh, in research, I'm scripting mostly for my day job. I have some rudimentary uh, systems programming experience um, many, many years ago. And I would also consider myself a newbie in, in that field. I mean, I have run some Docker commands and I have a VPS where I also host Nextcloud and a simple web server, but nothing fancy and yeah so i I have a machine at home uh with lots of storage i want to set up maybe as a media center stream to my raspberry pi uh, that's in the living room i don't know so i'm I'm also curious uh, to get some inspiration what can be done and maybe how it can be done awesome oh i
1: think you're gonna like jellyfin have you seen it before
2: yeah it's uh, actually uh it's it's on my list of things to check out like i think it is exactly uh most like the first thing to try it for the, for the streaming Awesome.
1: OK, great to meet you. Thanks for joining us, Chile. Yeah, your audio is a little hitchy, but I can understand everything you're saying. Uh, Nupilius, oh, You're muted. So <laughs> now I'm muted. Um, my screen name is Nupilius. I'm Florian. I live in Austria close to Switzerland so I think with M Chile, I'm in the same time zone so it's getting late and dark already um, I'm professional web developer in PHP so DevOps and CI CD isn't an uncommon or unfamiliar world for me and I try to see what else is there and uh, yeah, sysadmin DevOps I think I'm uh, in the intermediate because it's not my day-to-day job, but I can get my way around service. Awesome. PHP is useful. I think at least one of the things I'm gonna demonstrate is PHP. I'm pretty sure Wallabag. Um, I didn't get around to WordPress, but yeah. Cool. Thank you for joining, us Florin. Okay, how about uh, Paul? Hi, everybody.
6: Um- Paul Gazillo, and I'm in uh, sunny Orlando, Florida in the USA. Um, so for many years I've been trying to, you know, get data independence and service independence. Uh, so I've tried out some tools. I'm not so familiar with, you know, the kind of web apps, uh, but I've set up, you know, web servers and email. Uh, so I guess I'm maybe intermediate. I use some DevOps tools like, you know, version control and some amount of continuous integration. Uh, I actually do research on like software configurability, so I'm kind of interested from from that side as well. But I'm more here for to actually use this for my own uh, for my own services.
1: Awesome, thanks for joining, Paul. Uh, okay, so then my uh, Andy Richter, uh, Rob Smith, will you give your quick intro? Uh,
4: yeah. So um, much like Adam, I I've been working in tech. Uh, getting close to 20 years as well um and uh i i've started you know i, I started with small startups and uh I, i'm currently working for a, a fairly large uh company and, and the thing that struck me uh, throughout my entire career is um it's the same building blocks that we're doing we're demonstrating now the same building blocks that uh you can do at your home lab is the same thing that powers you know even the largest uh uh, cloud providers. They're just building on top with more and more engineers, but it's the same tech, you know, core tech and the same styles and all that. And so I'm really excited about uh, you know, uh, having these being able to be provided for people so that they can, uh, you know, that independence is a new thing. So they can begin to control their data and be in control of their experience.
1: Um,
2: yeah.
1: Thank you. And thanks for agreeing to Join me, Rob. I don't know if you guys are picking up on it, but Rob is the, probably the real expert in the room. So I'm glad you decided to join. Sorry to hope I'm not embarrassing you. Um, Rob and I also co-founded uh, Siegel, which you should absolutely check out. It's um, quite a ways off, um, but not too late to think about your own talk, or I'm sure they're, boy, they might actually do it in person this year. That'd be, that'd be interesting to move back, but I hope they retain Um, retain the remote stuff, too, because having both is even better for accessibility. Oh, and just to share, I heard Zoe mentioned that um, there's about 1,200 folks and then hundreds online right now, so that's pretty sweet. Okay, well, um, we've gone around, did I miss anyone? Uh, I know I had to, like, some people were having issues. Um, Let's see, we, we talked, Dan's in chat.
3: I think the Uh, BREN and I G L B T C they have left the meeting because of the tech issue. Uh, I'm trying to reaching them outside the BBB.
1: Okay. You know, however this works, I think it's going to be useful. I think we're all going to learn something. Um, And if somebody has to, it will, that'll give us a little more time to focus on each other and and get a couple more things working. Um, At the very least, um, I hope you, well, let's let me just sorry. I'll stick to my script here. So here's what I want. Right, here's what I need. Let's put it that way. I need a little bit of help. So one thing is like glossary. There's a lot of terminology, and I want to be real sensitive and not leave anybody behind. So if there's a term you don't know, maybe throw it in chat, and then um, maybe Rob or someone else can can ping back. But I I would love help building a glossary, and um, and I would take. I'd love to have patches for same. Uh, so if if you get inspired, if you're willing to help, um, patches welcome for glossary. So there, let's see. Oh yeah, and we all agree to this, the Libre Planet 2021 safe space policy, this is very important. So just give me thumbs up or thumbs down if you would. For thumbs up, so the safe space yeah, policy. Okay. Brian, yes. Yeah okay thank you brian uh oh and now i see mark too um do you do we skipped you right you want to give a quick intro you see well first of all mark are you seeing my screen with the prompts welcome what's your name and all that not hearing you mark oh yes if i can get my mic working okay (laughs) well if you want to type in is there a button for thumbs no i didn't see one thank you bye joe Anyway, why don't you go ahead and Mark, you can get your mic working and just ping me or um type in name, location, uh, and then your kind of your experience level. And we've got to keep rolling here. And then I I I hope you feel the sense of, you know, we're we're on a journey. Do you know it's you you haven't won or lost if you got one or two services working by the end of today, or if you have a whole uh, you know, private cloud up and running. It's okay, either way. I think I think it's gonna be valuable just by learning and making progress. So, all right, from the top. So this is the repository. Where's the public repo? Okay, here it is. So if you haven't pulled the code already, um, get it from there. Uh, And if you don't wanna use GitLab, you can use this clone URL. Okay, so does anybody not know how to use Git? Okay. I'm going to keep asking. So you're just going to have to get vocal or loud in the chat if there's something that you're missing and I'll catch you up ASAP or I'll ask somebody to catch you up. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to use my Gitia because I don't need to use GitLab. Okay. So this is, I, I didn't get a demo of this server working in the cloud, but it's not hard. This is a local... Uh, This is a self-hostable Git server. Um, I guess GitLab is as well, but part of it's proprietary. They have proprietary extensions. But Gitia is 100% free. Uh, It's written in Go. And it's a pretty sweet way to host your own code. And when I started gathering my repositories from GitHub, GitLab, Personal, I I noticed I had about 85. And to have them all in my own cloud was really important to me. So is a nice way to do that Uh, and and I'll show you I hope by the end of today you'll see that it's just a matter of adding one more fairly small recipe to get one more server up and running and then and then it'll mostly self-maintain and be be working so here are my hopes and expectations for you today Um, I don't read my slides so hopefully you guys can see and read this stuff and now I'm also not looking at the cameras or chat or anything, so I'm going to need somebody to actually aud- audibly yell at me if I'm missing somebody or leaving somebody behind. And I'm just going to get rolling here.
6: Uh, how do you spell Gatia?:
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, okay, and, and you guys keep asking questions. I love it. Gitea, G-I-T-E-A. G-I-T-E-A. Maybe someone right. can throw in the URL.
0: Adam, I just had a... Uh... Senex, join. I don't know if you want them to also oh, yeah. do a short intro, but um, I thought yeah. otherwise maybe they'll feel like they're not part of it.
1: We got time, and I'm kind of relaxed now that I know we have sufficient time for everything. So, Senex, uh, would you please give an intro and share as much as you're familiar with as far as your name, where you are, what brings you here, and then uh, and your kind of level of SysAdmin DevOps knowledge in about thirty seconds, if you could. Okay, I'm not hearing you, Senex. Uh, no, I guess you're going to have to type. Let me see Is anybody else hearing Senex? No problem. It's okay.
5: I'm hearing a bird. Oh, yeah. I hear something now. Uh, we're, a, we're a tortured cat.
4: <laughs> no, oh, yeah, no. no. It's two birds, and uh, they they enjoy uh, my company, and so when I'm over here in the corner, they <laughs> okay. get a little chatty. Says, I, I'll try to keep it, sorry.
1: Okay, some knowledge, personal work at home, cool. A couple of servers, awesome. <laughs> Boy, I, I'm getting kind of a theme of, like, people are um, just augmenting knowledge or augmenting knowledge and experience rather than, starting from absolute scratch um everybody's heard of devops everybody sounds like everybody's used git before um that's some pretty strong common ground we can work we can work on ah awesome okay now i want to collect these in uh i want patches or, or the, let's do we have a do we need a whiteboard what would be a good way to collect these i guess i'll just i can scour the chat if you if you put all the glossary band. things like an ether we bed. could do anything i'm, I'm I'm a little worried about adding one more place to store data, but we could do it. You know what, here, let's do this. I am gonna uh, use the next cloud that I set up for this talk and then I will give you guys access to a document where you can put glossary items in and then I will, I'll commit them after. Okay, so this is the next cloud server running in my uh, fortress. So, fortress is kind of the buzzword I use to in the talk description, but I'm going to be calling it private cloud from now on. Private cloud. Cloud is uh, cloud means someone else's servers, right? <laughs> I don't know a better definition than that one. And private cloud means it's yours. So, it, it's it's a number of services. Uh, some of the some of the interfaces will be web based. Some will be apps, or some of them will be absolutely headless, and they'll just kind of work on their own. Anyway, let's start a text document. LP twenty twenty one workshop glossary. Okay, blank. And then I think there's a format in markdown for a glossary. Uh, so maybe someone can figure that out. Otherwise, we can just use uh, something like this. I don't. I don't really care. But let's share this guy, so. Oh, and when I say guy, it's gender neutral, guys. (laughs) (laughs) FYI, so hide, download, password, protect, good enough, okay. So, there's the link to the doc, and I think that should work as is, and you should all be able to edit, you might have to put in a nickname. Okay, so there's a place, there's, it's basically an Etherpad. it's just a a uh, markdown document, you can edit it together. Um, good idea, new Pilius org mode, committed to Akitia. I think we'll, let's give this a shot, see how it goes. Okay, so some of my goals, and in, in, uh, goals are, like it's okay if we don't hit our goals 100%, especially this is a really tough goal. My first goal was I wanted this to be Libre for the metal on up. Um, It's hard. I don't know core boot yet. I think it's possible and maybe not that hard, Um, but it just wasn't on my radar to start. But eventually I'd love to have my private cloud completely Libre. So that means I'd have to plug it in myself also um, because someone else's public cloud. I I don't know that there's Libre public clouds yet. Um, if someone knows about one, then I'd, then I'd be, you know, certainly interested. You know, actually, you know what we could do? Let's do, let's use this document. Uh, other notes. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is, let's use this as kind of our shared whiteboard. And if people have glossary items to put right there, other notes, let's see, links. If you want to add links, it, somebody mentioned a link. Um, then you can throw it in here. And we'll just use this as our scratch pad. Um, instead of everyone taking private notes, which you're welcome to do as well, but I would encourage us to use this document as stuff we share and take with us afterwards. And then I'll also commit it to the repo um, for sharing with anybody who watches this later. Okay, can I get a few thank
6: thumbs up? Having, I think we're having trouble accessing or several people are having trouble yeah, loading, it. loading
1: it. Right. Ah, to, uh, thank you.
2: Like yep. overloaded
5: okay, your or something.
1: Well, that's a good. That's good to know. Let's see.
2: I already got. Uh, took too long to respond. Timeout. Yeah. <laughs> Are we dosing your cloud?
1: Yeah, it's it's possible. Right. <laughs> it's a very small instance. <laughs> it's a very small instance. Hmm. I'm not going to open up my home one uh go for (laughs) (laughs) emacs yeah that is not the lowest common denominator i hate to say uh can can someone else set us up an etherpad if if we can't get this one i see one other person joined but i i think it might be the case that it's it would be too much for this thing to to handle a bunch of users even eight right now but we'll see how it goes um, yeah, if somebody else wants to set up a, uh, an Etherpad or something, that's fine. But let's just do one other and not. I don't want to have a whole bunch of things set up and going at the same time. So um, let's give this a shot. Be patient. Um, I see a couple people popped on. Uh, and if it just doesn't work, it doesn't. We're fine. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So uh, the OS I picked is just one I'm familiar with. Um, Ubuntu is not completely free. There's non-free blobs and um, you know I'm sorry that's <laughs> we, but it's it's possible to use other operating systems really. You can get uh, docker running on other other systems that are completely free. Um, okay, who's sort of ansible? Okay, Ansible is a good is a really important tool for configuration as code with these kind of, annoying common task for setting up a system uh, it'll it'll make them reproducible Decl- you, you declare what's going on and then you can run ansible over and over and the operation is what's called idempotent, potent uh meaning if there's nothing to do nothing happens you can you can uh you can run it over and over and it'll just catch up to where it needs to be uh, and rob feel free to hop in if i'm butchering uh, facts The reverse proxy part of this is traffic and spelled traffic, and I will show you the network diagram real quick. (laughs) And see, I can stress my server a little more. Okay, not bad. Uh, This is. Your basic simple network diagram demonstrating the importance and the centrality of the reverse proxy, which again is the the one I'm showing you how to use. Is traffic? Traffic is free software, um, but heads up that this company that's Container or whatever that that makes traffic is they're they're kind of working in some some advertising and stuff like that. So I don't think it's spyware. I think it's fine, um, but just be aware that. You know, okay. So here's the traffic dashboard, which shows us what ports we have open. They call them entry points. And uh, it just the the thing I'm wary of with traffic is that they're like, oh, register my instances. You know, connect to Traffic Pilot. I don't, I'm not going to recommend any of that stuff. They're not paying me money, um, and I don't, I don't, I, I can't speak for or against any of their stuff right now. Okay, so. Let's see, is this diagram fairly clear to folks that you're just basically, this this reverse, so a proxy is normally something that you you reach out from your closed-walled garden to get to other things through a proxy, and a reverse proxy is kind of the other way around. You allow people to reach into your network to get to specific services. Um, everybody good on that? Reverse proxy. Okay, who's using reverse
6: forwarding is this so you can have different uh services on different machines or something
1: yeah so like you would forward one port so so just port 80 goes to traffic and and traffic decides which things get get network traffic through port 80 which actually port eighty is an interesting example because it'll say oh port 80 web traffic i'm going to immediately change that to https and force users to use port 443 instead and uh, encrypt their traffic. So this thing right here encapsulates all the logic of uh, encrypting your traffic, making sure clients are using encryption. And the port forwarding only happens in one place at your router router firewall. So you're gonna port forward uh, eight. Yeah, you can do everything. I would just say 80 and 443. That'll probably be enough for most of the things. Um, there's there's a few special examples like Jellyfin DLNA is a way for your 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 media server Jellyfin if you use Jellyfin it's a way for that to talk directly to devices like TVs and do remote control. So for a little more exotic stuff you need to open more ports. Um, what's another example? Jitsi, if you hosted your own. Uh, video conference software, um, those do a lot of a little more exotic things. A few more exotic things.
6: Whoa. How does it decide which service to send it to? Just based on like the domain or something? Yes.
1: Exactly. So in the configuration files, and let's well we'll get to the configuration files, but you'll say, okay, if you if something somebody's trying to get to jellyfin. Uh, in in my case I have this Z9Z.xyz, if someone's trying to get to Jellyfin, it, it looks at the host name, uh, and I forget what the name of the protocol is, is it SNI where it matches the host name in in, in SSL? Even though it's encrypted traffic, um, uh, traffic can figure out which one to send it to based on the host name.
4: So uh, yeah, it, it's kind of important to, to mention. Uh, so it's, uh, SNI is server name indication, and yeah. it is only supported by uh, newer more modern browsers. So depending on your devices, um, if it's old enough, you may actually run into some troubles with that.
1: Awesome. Is it an issue at all with like mobile devices or do those have new enough HTTPS libraries?
4: Older mobile devices are generally the ones that uh, have the struggles. Um, you, you know, if you're using uh Something that's like, you know, six years old or older, you may run into this. That was about the time when, you know, about six years ago is when we could pretty much say everything had it. Um, anything a little older than that, if it has been beginning software updates, might have some struggles with it. But that said, the, the duration that we were rolling it out was over a period of about 10 years. So, it, you know, it, it's not a hard line by any means.
1: Okay. Um, you know, I'm also noticing that, like, with our audience here today and all all of us in the, the room, it's going to be kind of our responsibility to pass this on to um, women and minorities, which none of us, none of us in this, I don't know who identifies with what, but this, it's, I'm just kind of passing that responsibility on to all of us that we need to pass on this word, uh, pass on this. So, luckily, this will be recorded, I believe, and... Uh, available for the masses, but just keep that in mind that we're just, we're just like this tiny slice of the world. <laughs> and really my hope is that, that these services are free and it is low cost, but it's, it's hard. Some of this stuff is hard and it takes training and opportunity and frankly time that you're not working two jobs or whatever. So anyway, just maybe keep that in mind that this is, I believe this is our responsibility to pass on this knowledge. Okay, so sorry. Back to Rob's point. Thank you for clarifying SNI. Um, any more questions on that? I I guess I'll pause for a second. Okay, so one thing that got me really excited about these things is I'm like, okay, fine. I can I can spend a bunch of work and it's really hard, and I set up my own media server. But then what? Well, what's kind of cool is that Jellyfin, for example, copies. The other popular servers, like um, I'm not going to mention, but there are other proprietary media servers. But what they do is there's mobile apps, there's apps on TVs. So if you get Jellyfin stood up, you can get to it from a lot of different devices, tablets, phones, TVs, stream your media directly, and your TV might report back. Your TV might phone home, um, but your Jellyfin server uh, won't. And if Jellyfin starts doing that, somebody will fork it and make a jellyfin no spyware. So I think a lot of this stuff uh, is fairly future-proof in that regard. Although you have to look and see if projects die. Like Gitia used to be something else. It's a fork of, I forget what. But Gitia is, is the, this um, uh, Git server is a fork of something else. Okay, so runtime strategy for this is services and containers. and. Uh, I really like it when each service. So there's
5: uh,
1: Wallabag, I think is one. Yeah. Wallabag is is an article reader, and it has its own database configured. So when I start up the Wallabag service with Docker Compose, it's going to start up its own database, its own front end. The thing is self-contained. If I want to start over and try something else I just blow away that and then everything related to Wallabike will go away so I think that encapsulating all the the parts of a service are important um, it it might be more efficient to share a database but it's more important to me that it's like clean and easy to maintain because I wanted to make this as approachable as possible so any container is kind of another buzzword and glossary word container Thumbs up that- okay so Okay, so (laughs) falsely. Okay, good. So, uh, and then Docker is managing these containers. And now, really, it's, it's funny, but a container is conceptually, it's just telling the Linux kernel, in our case, to to contain these processes, to, to keep them separate, give them their own namespace for memory management. And it is super fascinating. If you ever get into computer science, the, the kernel has all the infrastructure to be able to keep things separate. And a common abstraction is a process. So if you run, run a command on the command line, then uh, your kernel will put it in a process. What Docker does is it gives a process almost its, its own machine. So it it thinks it has its own memory, it thinks it has its own file system, and et etc and by containing those things together, it gives you a lot of freedom and capability to um, pack a whole bunch of things onto one machine and you can have them long running and then you bundle their dependencies along with them well as well so I think the concept of docker itself uh, or container managers orchestrators it 's not a new thing, but docker Docker makes it quite easy to Uh, keep a program, uh, to get a program going, keep it running with all its dependencies, and make it think it has its own space to do whatever it wants. Okay, so containers. Thumbs ups. Okay. Uh, And here are things we're not covering. I, I just had to pick and choose a bit, and I wanted to focus on really Ansible and Traffic those the kind of the big ones and and using those to orchestrate but I think there's powerful enough learning tools um, that you can make them work with whatever okay so yeah part of the let's see okay so yeah and you're gonna need another computer to control your cloud to set it up Um, once in a while you're gonna you're gonna want to add another server or service and so you're going to need a separate computer to run Ansible on. Uh, And then SSH is kind of the connection mechanism. Uh, That's actually a good thing to check as well. I'm assuming you know. Anybody not know SSH, give me a thumbs down. Use it much at all? Okay, good. I'm seeing. No thumbs downs. Okay, so let's talk about Ansible real quick. And... So that's it for the outline, and the rest is going to go to. So the place to start with Ansible is um, the basic. Let's go with the basic layout here. Uh, you all see in my. It, say something out loud if you're if you're not seeing my screen, but I'm going to go over this directory tree real quick. Okay, so this is the repository that you've hopefully cloned, and then in the Ansible tree. You have kind of a top-level top level configuration file, um, just with some basic global configuration settings like how it'll use SSH uh, hosts to connect to, and I use a short name just for convenience. Playbook says what, what roles. Um, and boy, I'm not gonna be the best at uh, Ansible terminology, but this my playbook mentions the different roles that it's going to run, base, Docker, and services. That's pretty much it, a couple of other settings. Provision I made is kind of a handy script to run Ansible itself. Uh, I'm forgetting why. Why did I make, so let's look at that real quick. Oh yeah, so I think it was just because I have my own hand-rolled secrets, and um, Rob might recommend Ansible Vault instead, and that looked decent. Uh, and then you actually encrypt at rest your secrets, and Ansible will ask you for a password, and then it'll decrypt it with AES-256, something of an industry standard for at rest encryption. Uh, And that's a good way to do it. The way I'm doing secrets is just that um, they're ignored by Git. You have to generate them once, and then they're ignored by Git from then on. And then you'll see this uh, secrets template right here uh, with some dummy values. But these have to be real values in order to get all the stuff in this private cloud to work, um, such as uh, automatic DNS updates and email sending, stuff like that. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the directory tree here. So base is like, the the Docker roles are, are typically reusable chunks of Configuration, which will tell Ansible how to set up a computer, or a VM, or whatever. And I have a base one that sets that sets basic operating things, operating system things like, oh, what are the base packages we need? And let's I'm going to pull up this file right here, um, task main, and focus on that for a minute. And I'm going to come back to this directory tree. So let me see if I can get the zoom level the same. Okay, so this is basic stuff to get. It's a little bit Ubuntu specific, like UFW is Ubuntu only. Um, But the concept is to have a firewall, set the time zone right, and have some base packages. Oh, I have ZFS stuff. I didn't get around to ZFS as well, um, but I recommend it. (laughs) So anyway, any questions on the basic operating system setup? Super. You got packages, time zone, firewall, uh, SSH, and then these two very important rules at the bottom. Uh, we're going to need these these software firewall. Since we turned on a software firewall, we're going to have to be able to get through uh, the firewall with SSH port eighty and port four four three as well. Any questions so far? Okay. So that's all that's in the base role for Ansible. It's so quiet. I'm gonna make sure everybody's still alive. Okay. <laughs> it's weird when I can't I can't see y'all. I have to go back and forth. Uh, so, okay. Let me just look at the tracker. So traffic is you can actually you can actually work with traffic and lots of different orchestration engines. So Kubernetes, um, Rancher, I believe. Anyway, you can uh it it's it's meant to be a pluggable reverse proxy, but the the real core tenant of traffic, which makes it really exciting, is that with with Haproxy or something, you Nginx, I think, does dynamic configuration, but traffic is meant to is meant to be dynamic. So you start up your traffic server, it sits there. It's got some main configuration you don't really change. You don't change port 80 and 443, like those will always remain open. So traffic just sits right here. Here's here's again, here's mine I'm using for this cloud. And at, if you bring up another service with Docker Compose, then it just pops online right here. So it'll show up here. And that dynamic configuration is done because traffic is constantly pulling the Docker engine itself to see, okay, what containers came up And do they have labels that tell me I need to pay attention to them? And do they have labels that tell me I need to route traffic to them? And then how do I route traffic to them? Okay. Uh, Let's see, okay, so I'm gonna continue through this directory tree right now. So we did base, Docker is pretty simple as well. This is just gonna set up the Docker engine itself. Okay, that's it. Installs a Docker package, flips it on. Okay, moving on. So, and then services is the rest. And there's a bunch in here. And I think what I'm gonna do is play it a little by ear and see how much time I need to spend on this stuff. Also, pack, pack, uh, Patch is welcome here because I have some uh, repetition and whatever. But uh, what I wanna do on the operating system, and I, on the host, it's our private cloud computer. I'm going to create a bunch of directories, and this is where we'll store data related to the services we're starting. Um, and hopefully you're seeing a pattern here where you keep seeing next cloud come up, traffic, Wallabag, Jellyfin. Uh, and So each one, there's a tiny amount of configuration. You know, what I don't need, which is nice, is I don't need any directories for the mail server. There's a tiny little mail server running, and um, there's a tiny little dynamic DNS server running, and those don't even need any directories or anything on the host whatsoever. They just work autonomously and keep rolling. So each service has a Docker Compose file, and let's pull up one of those. Let's pull up the simplest one. Okay, so here's the Docker Compose file for mail. This starts up a mail server, that any of our other servers can use. So NextCloud can use this to invite users and send uh, notifications. And you'll notice I'm using, because I'm lazy, I'm using a bad kind of lazy. I'm using a um, proprietary major email service. Uh, I think there's there's lots of ways you can configure this particular mail server. Okay, moving on. Again, uh, feel free to hop in if you got questions. I'm really not watching the chat. But I see there is activity going on there, but I would I'll love to slow down and dig into something or other. But I think I'm going to kind of um, go ahead. What was the name of the uh, mail server you're using? Ah, it's called uh, Nimshi. And actually, let me make sure because I think I put it in the README here. Yeah, okay. So this top t- top level README is going to have links and descriptions for all the services. So that's. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for the question. Uh, mail Relay, here it is. Okay, so that's kind of the file structure. Most of the work is going to be done in here to create anything on the host that these services need. So mainly it's like, oh, for NextCloud data, for Jellyfin data, I, I store it on the host's file system. So that is is um, is why I have to mention the host file system here. Uh, sorry, I thought I turned my phone off. Let's try harder to turn it off. Jeez. Okay, so any questions, I mean, again, we'll, we'll dig into things. But part of what I'm trying to do here is zip over the high level of what we're setting up and then figure out what would be most helpful for us as a, as a, as a team, as a group, as a class to, to dig in on. Okay. So I think I'll start demonstrating some things. Um, and then, again, I'll come back and like say, oh, wait a second. What is the re- mail relay? How does that talk to this and that? We'll, we'll, we'll dig into any of those that we're stuck on. But I actually want to show some, some stuff working and wheels turning here. And then, quick time check. How, how much time do I have? Um, Xinxuan, maybe you could uh, or anyone? Anyone know when, when I have to stop?
4: I think you have Hello, a little think- over an hour. Right.
1: Yeah. One hour uh, already. One hour. So, so when? How how much time left? Because I think I've used an hour.
4: No, I, I there's
3: think there's
1: a break.
3: Let me check.
1: Okay, just let me know when you get it and I will start running stuff so the first thing I did was I started up a machine and in this case I'm using what I want to empower you to do is like bare metal at home but you could also do a VM at home if you're familiar with how to do that and so does anybody want me to dig in at all on operating system setup I wasn't intending to but uh, if you can install uh, Ubuntu GNU Linux then you should have enough to get started running Ansible. Okay. So I'm going to keep rolling then. Uh, let's. There should be a
3: 10 minutes break, uh, 15 minutes ago, but, uh, Oh, really? Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you can, uh, reschedule it, I think,
1: or. Okay. I'm going to, that sounds great. I'm going to run a couple of commands and then I am going to take a five minute break myself at in five minutes. So at 11 o'clock Pacific time in five minutes, I want to let's have a five minute bathroom break. Okay, so with Ansible, oops, and I have this hacked just a little bit for speed. Okay, so now it's going to run Ansible exactly as it is in source control against my server where I have an SSH key so it's allowed to do it. Ansible is so fun. I love just watching it come up with all greens and nothing happens because this is this is like demonstrating its item potence. There's nothing to do, it makes sure there's nothing to do, and then it's done, and you have some amount of assurance that the, the system state is somewhat consistent. Now, keep in mind that these are living systems, and the only way to make sure that it doesn't change is to like lock down the file system as read-only, and ideally it's ephemeral, but I mean, it's a little harder to do, right, to make it so that, uh, the the thing is completely solid state. So an operating system is not solid state, at least not not within the context of this talk. It's going to change. Somebody could SSH onto the machine and change the little things. So just be aware of that. Okay, so that's the basic Ansible run. It took thirty three seconds, and it basically just confirmed that okay, all your directories that you thought were there are there. Their own, they have proper ownership. Um, your Docker Compose files are in place, and uh, you're good to go. So on the machine itself I like to start services manually and then and then uh, they keep running because of the setup so let's look at Jellyfin okay so here's Jellyfin's Docker Compose file and this tells Docker Compose uh, which image to get and by default that's going to Docker Hub and the environment to sit around it. This this uses a specific user and group ID, which is a good thing in general to limit uh, the exposure of a service to a, a, a just a single user and group on the host operating system. I got the hard coded time zone patch is welcome. <laughs> so these are the labels that when you start up your container, traffic looks for to decide whether how and whether or not to send traffic, and the way the traffic gets in is via Web Secure. Uh, Web Secure is the name of an entry point defined in traffic's Docker Compose file. Here we set up the host, and I have that the domain name abstracted, but uh, it ends up being jellyfin.z9z.xyz for this uh, talk. For this workshop and by the way uh those xyz ones are a dollar for the first year and like forty dollars for the next year (laughs) so i just got it for this talk and then cert resolver i don't know why i have to mention this every time but i do maybe there's some shortcut this is where i'm storing data on the host file system the thing on the left is the host directory colon and then directory in the container colon read-only, rewrite, and I just make them read-only from Jellyfin's perspective. Um, I'm kind of new to Jellyfin, and so I wanted to start out safe. Um, I actually use Nextcloud. So Nextcloud can, can uh, mount these same directories on the host computer as external storages, and then I trust Nextcloud for like file sharing and uploading and, Whatever and and I've gotten to use it, I've gotten to use Nextcloud a lot more and so what I do is I if I if I have a uh, uh, some music I'll drag it into the music directory through Nextcloud. You can also just go directly to the computer, the file system on the the host computer. Uh, and then networks is uh, networking in Docker is kind of a special thing and so I made a I made a network called Jellyfin just for Jellyfin itself and then. HTTPS traffic comes through the traffic default network, which is automatically created by traffic. And then this is where I I like starting it once and then it keeps going on its own. So I should be able to see on here. Okay, Docker Compose PS is going to tell us that there's a Jellyfin process running, and that's the name of the actual container. And it created this name based on the directory that the Docker Compose file is in, and then the name of my app, the name of my service in the Docker Compose file, and then I guess this is just a an ID in case I have more of them or rep. You know, you can you can scale stuff out uh, pretty easily. Although none of my services are scaled out per se, um, because I'm I'm not for the purposes of this workshop, I'm not really considering more than maybe 10 users, or maybe not more than two, since our, <laughs> our ether pad isn't working too well, is it? Okay, so there's Jellyfin, it's running. Uh, top is another way to look at, let's see what's the difference between top and PS. Okay, top is gonna show uh, all the processes related to this container. They're in the same namespace. Um, and then we can also start and stop it. Down would completely destroy it, um, although the data are still going to be on disk on the host, um, and that's fine. You know that'll, that we can do that without any issues. <clears throat> if we change, if it, ha- if it isn't running, we, we use uh, up dash d to start it in the first place. Oh, it looks like something changed. Maybe there's a new image available or. Um, it noticed a change in the config file. So, when I told it to, to stand it up, it said, oh, I'm detecting changes, so I'm gonna recreate, recreate that container. And if I do it again, it's just gonna say, oh, it's already running, it's up to date. Um, another useful thing I'll do is, like, watch the logs for this container. There's a ton of information, not much of it useful, unless you're, like, getting down to the debugging level. Um, so we can run it just to see, but there's just going to be a whole bunch of stuff. And then it's interesting too, because you see that Jellyfin is a fork of MB, which became kind of, I don't know proprietary or spyware or something. I don't MB didn't look good to me. Um, so I went away from that. But jellyfin looks decent uh, as far as freedom. Uh, it's kind of neat to see that they retain some of their heritage that way. So there we go. We got jellyfin running. Here's the config file. The way that traffic gets in is, or the, yeah, the way that network traffic gets in is because we told traffic that this is our host name, and that's pretty much it. The rest is we're relying on the service to do what it does well, which is to show us a web unit interface. To uh, we're gonna, oh, here's my my daughter's gonna use the same server for her talk tomorrow, and so she's like uploading content. It looks like. I hope that's free content. Uh, and then here's my buddy Brian made this album. Um, You upload an album of mp3s, like a directory with mp3s, and then it will automatically fetch album art, uh, fetch metadata. Uh, Some of it's in the files themselves. Uh, But this is a pretty awesome media server. So I can play these songs from my phone. Um, With movies, I can play them from my TV, uh, tablets, and uh, we share it with a family. Uh, And it's it's great because I don't want my kids going to YouTube Um, you know if there's a if there's a video on YouTube with a Creative Commons license then I can use YouTube DL to cache it uh, and I believe that's legal and then uh, put it up on the jellyfin put it up on the file system where jellyfin reads it looks for temp video in here and then play it from here and then nobody's tracking the clicks done or the number of times it's played and uh it's a lot more respecting of our freedom and there's no uh, more importantly there's no recommendations there's no comments there's no likes or subscribes it's it's effectively offline under our control that's kind of important for for little kids it's like they need to they might need the content or it's very valuable valuable content but i don't trust youtube to babysit my kids Okay, so that's jellyfish soup to nuts pretty much. Um, I'm gonna pause right there and I'm two minute, three minutes late for our break. So uh, any questions, we'll go questions until 11.05 Pacific and then we'll take, uh, how about a five minute break? Open the floor to questions.
4: Adam, could you talk about how SS, uh, HTTPS is being handled?
1: Yes. So this is uh, completely done by Let's Encrypt and traffic. So Let's Encrypt is a is a HTTPS uh, certificate provider um, that's automated, and there's so many moving parts. I frankly do not understand how it works, and that's what I love about it is because I don't need to. But let's see, Let's Encrypt, where is the configuration for that one? Okay, so I think it shows up right here. <clears throat> so it's a pain to get certs, to issue them, to request them and all that stuff. Um, let's Encrypt is really step forward as um, is a free, I believe it's completely free. It's accessible to anybody. Um, this uses, DNS information to confirm that, um, that we're allowed to get an SSL to HTTPS certificate, and it does it automatically. So I'm using, um, I, I, for my DNS provider, uh, this thing is able to automatically add a record in the DNS records. I wonder if I can query it. Ooh, this is where. You, you Dig. can,
4: but, but it, it, it removes it when it's uh, done with the challenge.
1: Oh, it removes. So it only puts it up there for the challenge, and then it gets rid of it. Yeah, I see. Okay, so it's confirming that I that we're able to. It's again all automatically with this configuration, but it's confirming that we're able to get a, a, a certificate, uh, and then it does it for us and it stores it in this place. So that's kind of the magic of it, and and I think this supports quite a few. DNS providers, and there's also a thing called a DNS challenge or a TLS challenge, which I don't understand. Um, but long and uh, short of it is, yeah, go ahead.
4: Yeah, so uh, TLS challenge uh, allows you to uh, it will actually reach down to a known file on your uh, web server. And the the idea is as long as DNS is pointing to a server you control and you can put that file in that right location, that proves that you have administrative access to it and they will uh, search for that. There's actually a list of like three or four different ones beyond those two. Uh, So it's highly flexible in how to uh, gain certs.
1: Cool. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, they have pretty good docs around this stuff. I read a bunch of it and I still don't, I still don't totally understand it, except that um, if you have a provider and you do this config, it's just like totally automatic. And um, it works on all clients I've tried. So it recognizes these as valid certs. I think they got the let's encrypt certs into browsers, the root certs. Okay, and sorry, I'm running over. So let's take our break. Uh, let's come back at 11 fifteen Pacific. Um, feel free to, if Rob sticks around, ask questions. Um, whatever, I'll be right back.
6: I was looking at the readme a little bit. Is there some like instructions on what we need to change and what we need? So, I mean, we run this Ansible playbook. I've never done that before, but is it is there just some configurations that we that we set up to to get this?
4: there is some so um the uh secrets file and the uh there's the there's the variables uh definitions if you modify those you could spin up your own version of this uh, against uh, a physical machine or, or a, a vps of some sort um However, you know, generally I would approach it as, you know, this is a great example and kind of work okay. towards what you know, specifically you would like your cloud to do uh, and, you know, take those as building blocks to get there versus using it as is.
6: So it's more the idea to make our own uh, Ansible playbook and, and services.
4: Yeah, um, I, that. I would recommend doing that. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Okay.
6: Thanks.
1: Mark, did you ever get your audio working?
4: Yes,
3: yes.
1: Can uh, you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I
3: can. I think our planned finish time is... Uh,
1: 10 minutes, right?
3: It's <clears throat> at 35 past past two, past 14.
1: Oh, 35, okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think there are two uh, questions or discussions uh, I can address. First question is uh, from uh, Senex. Mm-hmm. about uh, for for those people who are not familiar with the docker, uh, he's asking you to talk about something about why the volume and network are needed.
1: okay, thank you. um Senex, you on? Can you hear? if I start talking?
2: I don't think it's here yet. (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: Okay. Okay. So the question about Docker, why are volumes and network needed for Docker? So Docker isolates processes and associated, it isolates groups of processes. Usually it's one, but it can be multiple. And so Docker will also isolate their network. And unless you connect something, then it'll be on its own. So by default, it'll use something like a NAT, N-A-T. And um, so you have to tell it which network should it connect to. And let's go back to the example of Jellyfin. So here we're telling it our main network is Jellyfin. So that's just one we created and Jellyfin runs inside its own Jellyfin network. And I don't care what IP addresses it gives itself, whatever. But that's, Jellyfin's got its own. Network, which is a, uh, a, a network isolation like a group of IP addresses and a way to talk to to these processes to talk to one another they all run within the same network um, We also connect it to traffic default so so that web traffic can go through like per this diagram web traffic this allows it web traffic to go through traffic traffic into jellyfin so that's why we need networks. Volumes are places on the host where data are stored. So we're telling Jellyfin how to access data on the host.
3: I think another uh, discussion also initiated by the Senex is about the practice about pooling operation, always pull the latest or newest image or something about the revision control.
1: Okay so ansible we're not ansible is uh like i'm using a version of ansible provided by my operating system um so that's going to remain static um but docker images are pulled automatically so if you go you you declare again here's jellyfin and i'm saying we're going to run linux server jellyfin um then it's going to go ahead and grab that image off of Docker Hub at the point where I go to turn it on. Um, I also started Watchtower, so this is another service I get running. And what this does is it is it queries Docker Hub, and then it queries all my con- all my containers, and it looks to see if one con- if if a particular container is running an outdated image, and then it automatically pulls the new one daily and fetches. Fetches it, pulls a new one, and then uh, restarts the container with a new image. You bet.
5: <laughs>
1: no worries. So, yeah, in, go ahead with other questions, too. I can dig into any part. Let's use these last... Um, uh, I guess it's... I think it might be five minutes, actually. But let's, let's use it to... Um, uh, cover what questions you all have, and then we can take into stuff. 1425 EDT, which would be, yeah, we only have about six minutes. All right, what else? And I can show these these services. bag has is, is become kind of a favorite of mine. I use this constantly. Um, this is just a tiny instance, but what you do is you take the url for a news article uh and you paste it in here and then it sucks down the html grabs an image and then you can read it later quote unquote offline Um, there are uh mobile clients uh it saves your position when you you scroll up in a mobile client it saves where you're at and then the this html is all cleaned up and stored So you don't get any, uh, you generally, it'll generally filter out all the ads. It's like distraction free reading. And then you have a kind of a permanent copy of it as well, which is pretty important to me. Um, You can do tagging. Anyway, this is one piece of software. I'm like, I used to use uh, a proprietary, I don't know what you call this article saver reader app. Um, And then I have switched to this and I use it constantly. So this is called Wallabag.
3: Another question is about: uh, Could you talk a bit about role of Route Fifty Three container?
1: Ah, Route Fifty Three. So, yeah, Route Fifty Three is is uh one of the big cloud providers' uh, DNS service. Uh, so, what's the question about it? The Din DNS container.
3: Well, he is okay. typing. Um, yeah, let's wait a bit. <laughs> okay, so this yeah,
1: yeah. So what this does is, uh, what I was kind of assuming, the data fortress for your home. Like the the workshop was designed with, like, okay, can I start this up in my house? Absolutely, but sometimes it's hard with your your ISP, your internet service provider. Sometimes it's hard to get a static IP address, so your home IP address might change, and this thing will automatically reach out, check if it's changed, and update it in your uh provider so this this one i believe only works with route 53 but there are a ton of these little tiny images on docker hub that will work with any dns provider and automatically update it for you and almost every dns provider today will support programmatic updates so the log- <laughs>
3: yeah okay. i did uh, just the general role of it and how it relates to the aws
1: i'm not sure i understand the question uh, just uh, uh, you want to know oh, the, general oh, what of the
3: route 53 and how it relates to the AWS?
1: Oh, okay. So uh, the only reason I'm using route 53 is for uh, programmable DNS as a service. Um, I just didn't, I don't have a DNS server set up. So there's, do, there's nothing in this talk about AWS really specifically. You can use any DNS provider. Um, So like imagine you, you have a server at home and you're running it in your garage and then your ISP changes your IP address. Well, you have to update that IP address in your in a DNS server somewhere. So in this case, I just happen to be using Route 53 for DNS service. Okay, you bet. Cool, what else? Oh, Shunjin, I see private messages too from you and. In-
3: I oh, sorry, I, I, I should shout.
2: Uh, no, no uh, worries. <laughs> well, these are questions I captured uh, during the okay, uh, public chat. Is uh, WaterBank uh, HTML only? Or would it also work with PDFs?
1: Oh, that is a good question. I have but not actually, tried it with PDFs.
2: Because for me, I think it would be super cool for research articles to be able to kind of drop them in a read list and I mean, there are plenty of tools for that, but I'm not aware of something self-hosted, legal. Ah, good point. I
1: don't know. I, I haven't tried it with um, PDF. Articles. Grab articles. I think, I'm guessing probably not, but I'm not sure. Save articles. Oh, yeah, it's got a bookmarklet too. So another thing about these services I'm showing you, like especially NextCloud, there's all kinds of interfaces. Mobile, um, you can get to it. Uh, you can use it like a generic file storage. Uh, there's browser plugins. This is the bagger. So if I'm reading an article, I can click on this extension in Firefox to, to save an article to my Wallabag instance. Um, this is Nextcloud passwords. So Nextcloud has a ton of apps. Um, the core ones are really solid. Some of the some of the other ones are, you know, iffy, not not great. But but um, Nextcloud overall is pretty cool. Uh, and then this passwords uh, app is it, it's like replaces a password manager, Keepass XC or whatever, and and it integrates pretty well. It's mobile apps for that as well. One thing I want to start using is this uh, Nextcloud Recipe Manager. Uh, it's pretty cool. It'll grab recipes off the web uh, and Let's see. Uh, cookbook is what it's called. Okay, so this is in Nextcloud. There's all this this app store is all integrated, and if you want an app, you can just. <clears throat> Uh, go into the App Store, pull it down, and it'll, well, I don't know, maybe my server is underpowered. <laughs> Not doing anything at this point. Other questions? Okay, well, thank you, everyone. I believe we're at time, and that was really fun for me. I hope it was instructive and fun for you. Uh and appreciate your feedback, full support to Libre Planet, the FSF, please. Uh, they made this possible, you made this possible, and I'm really glad you came and spent your time with me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Vision. Thank you, Rob. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for coming.
0: Thank you, Adam.
1: Thanks, Zoe. Pat-